Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by somebody I've followed for the last 13 years, James Pollard, the founder of TheAdvisorCoach.com a marketing consultancy which helps financial advisors get more clients, which obviously we're all about here. James is also the host of the Financial Advisor Marketing Podcast, which if you're not listening to, I highly suggest. He's perhaps best known for his monthly paper and ink newsletter, the James Pollard Inner Circle, which is read by financial services professionals all over the world. James, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And now I know where you're talking before the show that like I recognized you and I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be on this guy's show for sure because you you interviewed Doberman Dan. Yep, you got, Doberman's a good friend. Yes, I was like, I I got to do this. So that's awesome. I, I yes, you were here. telling me that you had read my very first book 13 years yep. ago, which is awesome. Yes. Um, I, I, so we'll do plenty of fan appreciation back and forth. How'd you get started? So I am a marketer at heart. Um, I have basically always been a striver, a go getter, a doer. Um, all the way back when like Google AdSense came out. And I was like in early teens, essentially. You're going way back. Yep. Yeah. So I was, you were a baby back then. Yeah. I was interested in that. And I started basically putting up websites and I was interested in Google AdSense. And back then uh, a lot of different books were being published, like how to make money on eBay. Yeah. That, that whole craze, right. Opening up. Yes. Wild, wild west. Yeah. The wild west of the internet. And I got interested in Gary Bensavenga, Gary Halbert, Dan Kennedy, just like straight yep, up all legends. The, all, all either heroes or people I've had the good fortune to work with. Yes. Yeah. And I just devoured the material. Now, eventually, now, even though the advisor coaches business has, has worked with different types of professions in the past because they reach out and they're like, can you please help? So I'm a marketer first and foremost. It, it just so happens that in my personal network, years ago, I had people in the financial services industry. And I was going to ask, cause you're not a producing no. financial advisor. No, no. Unlike it, I started financial services first, learned marketing second, and then became a marketer for financial advisors. In addition to still running that company, you took a different approach, which I loved. You found a niche mm-hmm, and said, totally. this is, this is my, these are my people. Well, it's the biggest blessing for me because well, for two reasons. The first reason is I essentially, because I have the audience first, I have avoided a lot of survivorship bias because there's, there's a lot of people who would say, I did it this way. It's yeah. kind of like if someone, 
if someone survived a shipwreck and they ask you how you survived, and he's, the person's like, oh, I just backstroked and backstroked and backstroked. You're ignoring all the people who also backstroked. Yes, or who did yeah, something gosh. else. Exactly. The, the second reason that's the biggest blessing for me is because I can work with something called the Medici effect. And in the Renaissance, the Medici family basically, well, they started the Renaissance. Pretty much because, owned it, yeah. Yeah, because they brought together sculptors, painters, scientists, philosophers, yep. all together. And when it's I have family access family office to, model for culture. Exactly. And when I have all these different resources and I can put my tentacles in different things, I have that access to like, quite literally almost no one else has. So yeah, that's is great, honestly. That's awesome. All right. So you yourself have written quite a few books as well, some of which I have. So what do you think some of the biggest mistakes are financial advisors and insurance agents are making when it comes to growing their practices and their marketing? Uh, number one biggest mistake is uh, not utilizing multiple marketing strategies. Without a doubt, um, multi-channel marketing is the holy grail for financial advisors. Nothing else comes close. It, it's just that they get caught in this trap of, like seminar marketing was a good one pre-pandemic and world coming to an end, essentially. Uh, there were financial advisors who got stuck with one seminar after another seminar after another seminar, and they never really expanded. Yep. I and, called that the seminar hamster wheel. Yes, I, I do. I remember you saying that in one, in something, but it, it's, it is the hamster wheel essentially, just like you describe it. And they don't realize that if they just threw in a direct mail piece, or if they expanded the website a little bit more, or if they reinforced uh, with a, a couple more paid ads, their business would just explode. They just don't know what they don't know, honestly. Absolutely. And we're also guilty of doing what everybody else in our industry does, which is marketing incest, where we, the wholesaler comes in and I'll help pay for your seminar. Okay. I guess I'm doing a seminar or, Hey, what's that guy in that corner office doing? He's doing lots of, he does two seminars a week that I got to do two seminars a week. And our other guy, he's making 300 cold calls a day. Like I used to do. So I should do that. So I totally get it. You're hundred percent right. How do it's a very crowded marketplace, right? Everybody bloody red ocean, Everybody's of everybody in our industry says the same thing. Every financial advisor, you know, thousands I've met, spoken to, done broadcasts for, on webinars, what at podcast. What do you do? I help people make smart choices with their money, or I help you plan for your peace of mind. So does my alarm company. So how do you, you have a unique take on it? How do you get them to differentiate themselves? How do you get them out of the mindset of, I mean, when theoretically our clients can get the same mutual fund, same stock. Nobody's got a black box like Bernie, fake Bernie Madoff that magically cranks out money that no one else has. So how do you differentiate yourself in a bloody, bloody red ocean? So right now, the most effective approach that we're seeing is just having a niche, but I will be completely transparent. That's going away. Like by the mid 2020s is what I'm projecting. Now I'm no, I don't have a crystal ball or anything, but it's just my I'll best go, guess. Go grab one. Uh, uh, most financial advisors by that point, if they're independent, or if they're at an RIA, they're probably going to have a niche because it's just like, it's the thing to do now, right? So that's phase one. The industry as a whole right now, your differentiation is your niche, meaning it like literally today, um, I was looking for a friend, for a financial advisor who specializes in e-commerce, uh, like store owners. I found one Wow, person. very that's interesting. It. That's an interesting, I mean, we do marketing, half of our, our other division does marketing for a lot of those people. So we could probably connect you, but that's interesting. I never would have thought 
I met a lawyer who does IP for e-commerce, um, but I've never seen a financial advisor say, I want to go after those crazy internet entrepreneurs. I, yeah, I found one and the website sucked. Like I wasn't really, I mean, I don't want to criticize or mention their name, but right. Is essentially the website sucked. And I was like, yeah, term. I'm not going to recommend that to my friend, but again, like you can get a list of these people. You can find them. There are people with Amazon stores, like they're making millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I couldn't find anything. But the, so the niche thing is phase one, uh, phase two in differentiation and is you and I have been banging on the niche door, telling everyone they should have one for decades. So they're finally learning. Yes. And, but, but it's becoming, so like a niche now is kind of like LinkedIn a couple years ago. And it's going to be super effective for a little bit. And once you get your roots in there, you're going to be okay. But then phase two is going to be connecting based on your personality and based on your emotion. Uh, especially if, I mean, cause we have automated investing. We've got the index fund books that are being sold by the millions and people just want to copy the market. And, and I don't want to get into the financial right. side of that, but essentially you've got to get people away from just focus on investments. How are my investments doing? What am I doing? You have to become more of a life planner. You have to help them with certain life decisions, even the smallest things like, should I buy or lease a car? Should I rent or own my home? You are going to be, as a financial advisor, you're going to be more involved in people's lives than ever before. It's not just going to be, here's your investment portfolio. That would be your differentiation. Awesome. So we got the... First, you got to pick and dominate a niche and it's got to be a properly defined niche. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. And then after that, we've got to broaden our reach in terms of the services that we're offering and go beyond what everybody else is doing until everybody else copies the expanded model in five or 10 years. And then we'll need something else. So what is a, a bad example of a niche? And what is a good example of a properly defined target market? I've ranted about this for 13 years. I'd love to hear your take. So it's an interesting question because a niche can be both too big and too small. A lot of people will say, well, a niche can be too big and that's it. It's too big. Or they can say, oh, it's too small, too small, too small. So I would say a bad example of a niche is business owners, which is what financial advisors, I mean, yeah, it's super popular. Yeah, I work with small business owners. Fantastic. But there's a ton of survivorship bias there. And that's what I talk about. Like I'm trying to get rid of that. And that's what my business works with. So there are a lot of financial advisors who are successful targeting business owners. But with that said, like one of the things I talked about in my inner circle newsletter uh, last year or in 2018, I believe is the franchisee market essentially. And there are a couple of financial advisors who took me seriously and started marketing to people who own Franchise Subways, yep, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A. Yep. Literally every Chick-fil-A store makes at least $2 million in revenue. I mean, based on the stats, that's the average, right? I have no idea. And the people already have an in at their church. They have, a, they have common ground on the religion. I don't want to make religion a niche. Sure. But when, you're, when, you're, when you are involved in a church, and you're heavily involved in the community and so is Chick-fil-A and you've got a network of Chick-fil-A owners and they all talk to each other. Trust me, it's way better than just small business owners. Yep. Um, I have said this. I have not thought about the franchise. I, that's brilliant. I love the idea. Uh, if I already have a niche, that makes me want to go do that. Um, that's, I've never thought about the franchise approach. That's really smart. I have always said when someone said business owners, I said, what industry? Are you the financial advisor for restaurant owners? Are you the financial advisor for doctors? Are you the financial advisor for whatever? Like there's a lot, business owner isn't a niche, it's too broad. You can't dominate that. 
But if you said, I'm the financial advisor for Chick-fil-A's in New York State, you'd be the only one and you could own that space. You could very easily, heck, you could even use Google, build a list of five, couple hundred franchises and drip on them like crazy. Well, so there's nothing wrong with physicians, teachers, engineers. Uh, the bulk of the people who are in my world end up going with an occupational niche simply because it's easy to find on LinkedIn. I mean, just transparently, that's what they do. Um, a, a good, I mean, I guess the Chick-fil-A thing is an example of a good niche. But the, the one that I like to use as examples, I like to use managers. Uh, you get a little more defined, like managers of big box stores, managers of car dealerships, right? But essentially managers and teachers, because these are the two occupations which have the highest propensity to achieve millionaire status. And if you're a financial advisor, that's kind of where you want to hang out. So <laughs> it's ironic that some, uh, physicians, uh, like according to Thomas Stanley's research and whatnot, they have a low propensity to accumulate wealth based on their income. So Correct. financial advisors go after attorneys and lawyer, uh, lawyers and physicians, and sometimes they end up disappointed. Sure, because they've got the, the doctors and lawyers have law school and medical school debt that a lot of doctors have even more debt. There's debt to build a practice if they built their own and they have higher lifestyles and tend to spend more of that money. So as we would say in the business world, they have lower net income, lower profit margins than your e-commerce store owners or even your Chick-fil-A guy. Well, so this is where it gets interesting. The financial advisors who are seeing success with the people like you just described with the school debt or whatever, they have the monthly retainer model. The issue though, I mean, yes, it's, yes, it works and yes, it works well sometimes. The, the challenge that advisors face though is you've got an initial layer of skepticism where the market is already skeptical of you as a financial advisor. Uh, an AARP survey found that 45% of middle-aged Americans would rather go to the dentist than meet with a financial wow, advisor. Wow, that's terrible. So you've got that first layer. I want layer. the link to that, sir, to that thing where on their site. I want that link. But then the second layer is they're so used to financial advisors charging a fee. So when they Google you, and I promise you they will, and they will Google questions to ask a financial advisor. One of the questions that's on every darn article out there is ask your financial advisor how you compensate it. Right. And the articles- are, What am I paying people, you? Are you a fiduciary? Blah, 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 blah. They, they prep the people to expect an answer. Like if you, they, they expect a financial advisor to be completely transparent and say, I get a fee based on the assets you invest. Yep. Well, one of two things happen. The people either, either immediately click off and say, A, I don't have assets to invest. So there's no point in pursuing a financial advisor anymore and you're dead in the water. Or number two, when you say that you have a retainer model and you explain how much you charge like a $300 a month or whatever, they get confused. And they, so you have another layer there that you have another to explanation get past. Sale to make. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, that stat is alarming and we need to do some marketing around that. Now uh, we get, it's funny, we get questions a lot. So we don't serve newer advisors because they can't afford us, but they watch our YouTube videos, listen to the show, and then want to talk to us. And we have to politely disengage and offer them some free resources because they can't afford our fees. We work at the higher end of the market. So talk a little bit about, because I mean, I remember making 300 cold calls a day and how much it sucked. What You've got some specific stuff and advice for newer advisors. Talk a little bit about that. So one of the blessings of operating a business that I operate is that I've seen both sides. 
So the reason my business is called The Advisor Coach is because I started with a coaching model and just decided it wasn't for me. I hated it, didn't want to do it. I was so tired at the end of every day because it was, I was like using, I, when I help someone, I go all in. Like I really truly help them like, achieve results. So doing that six times a day with six different hour long blocks, just freaking exhausting. So I decided to productize my knowledge and the product that you're talking about is called Your First Year as a Financial Advisor, which is available on theadvisorcoach.com. The, the, that is probably the most foundational, the most general product that I offer because the, you're, if you're a new financial advisor, you need to have the mindset stuff first. That is the most important thing. You can get a YouTube video for how to make the calls. You can get a, a YouTube video or a podcast or something for all the specific stuff, but there's rarely anything for new financial advisors with the mindset. And because I've seen the upper echelon, the people who can pay tens of thousands of dollars for coaching, and I've also seen people who are brand new and can't afford certain things and have different priorities, I, I see everyone along that spectrum. And I just put it together for them. Awesome. What do you like best about what you're doing? I enjoy the variety, I must say. And that's one of the reasons why I do stuff with new financial advisors and experienced ones and people who are literally making millions of dollars and people who are making less than 100K. It's the variety. It, there's nothing that really it feels humdrum, boring, bland. It's always something different. The financial advisor in New York who's working with people who have inherited wealth and old money, they've got a different set of problems than uh, a financial advisor in Dallas, Texas, who works with engineers or like petroleum engineers God who needs you. to get them and is going to use LinkedIn to find them. Right. It's just completely different. The variety is amazing. You've mentioned LinkedIn several times throughout this conversation. I know it's a big area of passion and expertise for you. Um, what are advisors doing wrong on LinkedIn right now and how do they fix it? Well, right now, specifically, LinkedIn isn't the best tool to use. There was, there was a report that was put out recently. It was the LinkedIn State of Sales Report, which found that 44% of people with sales and marketing, uh, they basically said that their responsiveness on LinkedIn was down. There's so many people, not just financial advisors, hopping on LinkedIn right now, cold connecting, cold messaging. It, it used to be super effective, and it is like one of the best ways to grow a business. Right now, the only people who are still seeing stellar results are the financial advisors who have a niche because it's so defined. And right now, it's so refreshing for them. The other thing that financial advisors are doing wrong, can't speak today, uh, is they don't use it enough, plain and simple. People go to their LinkedIn profile after they Google their name and they see just a bland profile with 287 connections and they, they think, oh, well, this person's out of touch. It's dangerous when they see that. So if you're going to have a LinkedIn profile, make sure it's filled out completely. Make sure you're actually using it and make sure it's appealing to someone when they Google Joe Smith at XYZ Financial and they see you, it's just a, it's just a way for them to feel reassured that they're making the right decision by reaching out to you. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you've achieved so much success. What's your biggest challenge now? My biggest challenge, honestly... Uh, I would say, and give me some time to think about this, biggest challenge would probably be staying on top of all the people. 
I mean, at this point, the newsletter has so many different subscribers in Canada and Australia and Asia and a lot in Singapore, uh, which is weird. And the Singapore addresses are like one, two, three X Boulevard, Singapore, 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 uh, a lot of mail. Um, I mean, I am so fortunate that I read all the direct mail books and consulted with people in the direct mail world because now I'm essentially running like a direct mail business with the newsletter. Uh, that's, that's the biggest challenge is staying on top of all that and all the people every month there's different topics and they ask me different questions. Um, as of right now, the inner circle members can still email me and ask questions. And as a percentage, not many of them do, which is strange. I mean, cause you can ask me the questions. No. They don't, I don't understand it, but uh, that's getting to be a little, a uh, little time consuming. So that's a big challenge. Awesome. For our folks who are watching or listening and want to learn more, um, want to check out the inner circle, want to check out the myriad um, of awesome products you've got, where is the best place for them to go? So the best place to go is theadvisorcoach.com. Awesome. You can check out other links on there as well uh, to the new advisor products, the experienced advisor products, the inner circle, the blog, which is very generous, how much information you give away there. And of course, your podcast, uh, James Pollard, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.